Welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, I talk with Jess Cameron, who is the Director of Women's Hockey at Neutral Zone. We talk about the scouting services Neutral Zone provides to coaches, players, and parents, how players are scouted and rated, and how coaches use player ratings and reviews. This was a very informative conversation with Jess, so I hope you like it. Before we get to today's amazing episode, I wanted to talk to you about the app part of Champs App. Did you know that there are over 30 NCAA coaches with Champs App profiles that you can connect with directly? These include coaches from every D1 conference. Champs App lets you create a free, beautiful online hockey resume to share with coaches, teams, and players. Your profile includes all the information coaches want to know to help decide if you are a player they want to keep on their recruiting radar. When you connect with coaches, they will receive automatic updates when you change your profile, add game or video, or alert them to upcoming games on your schedule. Just go to champs.app and click the sign up button to start your profile. You can check out the full list of the NCAA coaches using Champs app by clicking on the links in the show notes. I'm very excited to have on the podcast Jess Cameron, who's the Director of Women's Hockey at Neutral Zone, which provides in-depth amateur scouting coverage and rankings for women's and men's hockey. Originally from Mount Mellick, PEI, Jess was a goalie who played college hockey at Castleton University in Vermont before immediately joining Neutral Zone to build the women's platform. So welcome to the podcast, Jess. Thanks, Ray. Hey, uh, the reason why I asked you to come on and, and, and chat with us is I've been following you for a couple of years on social media and I've seen some posts uh, with kind of give detailed kind of scouting reports on some players that, uh, you know, at, at events that I've been at. And, uh, but I still, at the end of the day, really don't fully understand what uh, Neutral Zone is all about. And so I would love to hear from your perspective, you know, everything that uh, Neutral Zone does and, and how folks can benefit from it. But before we do that, as we do all our guests, I'd love to just get into a little bit of your hockey history um, and how you ended up playing college hockey in Vermont. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I guess I was on PEI and, and at the time, the minor hockey, it, it was still good. And, and I'm still a strong believer that, you know, if you're good enough, you'll get seen. And, and I had some friends that had played, you know, throughout minor hockey and did go on to play the U sport level and whatnot. So um, it is possible. But for me, um, I went to a prospect camp and got recruited there to go out and play in Alberta. Um, and it was a good fit for me uh, to develop. And, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to play college hockey. I wanted to keep going. Uh, so actually my best friend, Shannon McCauley, who's from PEI as well, went on to play for Team Canada and win the national championship with Clarkson. Uh, we left at the same time to go to Warner. So that made the transition pretty smooth. Um, um, and can you explain what, what Warner is for folks who don't yes, know? Yeah, yeah. Warner Hockey School, it's, it's no longer in existence, but it was a uh, pretty premier uh, women's hockey program, uh, played in the JWHL um, it was basically, um, a hockey school within the public school in Warner, originally designed to, uh, save the town school as they had such a low population. Uh, they couldn't, you know, continue to offer a school for such few students. So they brought in the hockey program and, uh, yeah, so we were the only, uh, sports team there that really went away and, and did things like that, but, uh, well integrated in, in with the public school as well. And just uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you went there for your grad year. So you'd actually already graduated high school from, from Alberta, and then you moved to New Hampshire to, to, to Warner to, to play hockey um, prior to college. Is that correct? Well, Warner was actually the one in Alberta. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. 
So I went there. No, that's okay. I went there for grade nine and grade 10. Yeah. And then I left and I actually came back to PEI for one year in grade 11. Um, it just, yeah, wasn't, uh, wasn't a good fit anymore. Um, and so I came back and I quickly realized again, if I still wanted to pursue my goals, I, I was going to have to go and seek out some different level of hockey and some, uh, you know, some hockey that was going to put me in front of more scouts that I was, you know, that was where I was looking to go. Uh, so I went to Brewster in New Hampshire for grade 12. Gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. So in, and, and in Canada, uh, the high school system is slightly different uh, than the U.S., at least uh, for sure in Quebec. I know that from firsthand experience. Yes. And so is, is that how that all played out in, in that the opportunity to go to grade 12 in, in Brewster? Um, yeah, no, I didn't PG at all. Um, so they had, you know, that, that was an offer when I went, you know, I could have played two more years of hockey or whatever at the time I, I wasn't interested in that. So it was just my grade 12 year. I went down there. Okay. Gotcha. And then how did you end up uh, at Castleton? Yeah. So kind of interesting story. I, uh, I, I was recruited by a few schools. Um, and so I kind of went through and, um, you know, mostly division three at, at that point, we had a couple D ones in there for a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I, I went to to visit Oswego, uh, which is eventually where I committed to play at Oswego. Uh, and I was ready to go. I was very excited. Um, and then that was right in the mix when the SUNY schools had to take away the international scholarship um, from athletes because the number of athletes getting it versus non-athletes was skewed and it was looking like an athletic scholarship. So basically in May, they kind of told everyone that, you know, you could still come, you'd have to pay in state or, or out of state or whatever. Um, so it would, would have been a lot more expensive uh, for me. And it just, it wasn't possible. So in May, as I was trying to graduate, I was back in the pool and trying to, you know, find a spot. We evaluated a ton of options at that point. Um, but I was originally recruited by Castleton. Um, so I called that coach back and said, like, hey, are you, do you still need a goalie? And it turns out he did. Um, so I basically, long story short, committed there, uh, sight unseen, never had been there. Um, yeah, and off I went uh, that fall to Castleton without ever seeing the place. Um, yeah. Wow. So, like, there, there are multiple things that I get from that story. So, first of all, um, uh, talk about the stress of that recruiting process, because I know a lot of players and parents are going through stress these days with recruiting. So tell, just tell me how you handled all that stress. Yeah, I mean, not great at the time. I won't lie. I remember vividly binge watching Pretty Little Liars with like a just mountain of Kleenex in the room because I was so upset about losing that. You know what I thought was going to be where I was going to go. You know, I was so ready. I had met with the team. Um, the coaches, I was so excited. Um, so the stress was, yeah, it was a lot. Um, I gratefully, like my father was, was pretty active in helping and, you know, getting, keeping me on track there. Um, as well, like Brewster had a ton of support. So I, I was lucky in that sense where, you know, they really wanted to, you know, push their student athletes and just students on to play at the next level. So there were, you know, college advisors there and whatnot that I could, could lean on, um, in that sense. But yeah, the, the stress was tough and, you know, I don't know if there's really a way to avoid it. It is, it's a stressful time and I don't know, you just got to keep reminding yourself it's, 
it's for something good, right? You're stressing because you have that dream and, and you want to keep going and you want to find a good fit. So, uh, I mean, eventually it'll push you a little bit, but you definitely have to be cautious about how much stress you're taking on, especially as a, a student athlete, uh, you're already under a ton of stress. So, you know, finding little things that are going to help you calm you down. It's, it's different for everyone. Maybe it's walks, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's podcasts. Um, for me, it was pretty little liars. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Some good advice there. So, um, well, another piece of advice I'll ask, uh, I'm curious is, would you recommend, ex uh, accepting an offer from a school without ever visiting it? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would recommend it per se. I think it's possible. I mean, the situation I was in was I wanted to play hockey. This was kind of my last choice. You know, it was my last option. It was what was, what was available to me. Uh, Brewster couldn't take me for another year at that point. Um, and I, I wanted to play, so I, I was willing to do it. Um, I think there's a lot of value in going to see schools first. Um, because coaches and players, right? You want it to be a good fit. You want it to be comfortable. Coaches don't want you coming there and not being happy either. So it is nice to go and to feel the environment and, and feel the team atmosphere. Um, a lot of times that's really going to be what makes your decision is, is how that school feels. Um, so I would definitely recommend going to visit if you can. Um, if you can't, just be prepared to ask the questions that are going to, um, you know, give you what you're looking for depending on what you are looking for in a school and like for me it was you know coaches um you know plans their vision for the team are they a coach that you know just arrived are they you know a new coach are they trying to win a national championship do, how much importance do they put on team culture and team activities just all sorts of things um so just you know taking some time to figure out what it is that you really want in a school and if you're unable to visit just um, making sure that you get those answers gotcha okay well i'm going to transition now into kind of now what you do after graduating from castleton um but before we get into those specific details uh you you played uh the goalie position and i'm wondering how much playing goalie and playing that position has helped you on the scouting side of things because so i've spoken to previous pro uh, goalies and you know uh, historically you know people think you know they get hit in the head and maybe they're not so smart but you know one former pro goalie told me you forget we we're on the ice 60 minutes and we watch the whole game and so we got nothing else to do but then figure out who does what and who's good at what and what their tendencies are and they actually know more about anybody else other than maybe the head coach in terms of what's actually going on with every position on the team so maybe talk about how goaltending has actually helped you become a scout yeah for sure I mean initially I was nervous about that as well I mean I think we're our own harshest critics and I was fresh 21 coming out of um, college there so I, I was nervous about everything um, but yeah no I think it prepared me really well like with everything you're saying you're on the ice you're watching you're anticipating in a lot of different ways and for sure there was a bit of a learning curve um, just with some terminology and systems that I maybe didn't uh, quite pay as much attention to as a goalie because, you know, my role was different. But at the end of the day, I knew all the stuff. You know, I knew what you needed to prevent a shot. I knew what you needed to kind of break out of the zone just because um, I'd been able to watch it for so many years. So I definitely think it, it prepared me. In a lot of ways, uh, I, I may not have known it at a time at the time, but uh, even now, you know, we hire some. We've hired a couple scouts that had been goalies, 
And they kind of came in with the same sort of anxieties as well. Like, well, maybe I'll just scout goalies and, and whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, that's okay if you want to scout goalies. But I think you definitely have the tools to um, scout the full game and, and I can help you in whatever way. And, you know, it's been, it's been great. Our, our scouts that have been goalies have been excellent night actually think we have quite a few of them at this point. <laughs> awesome. So um, before we once again get into neutral zone, maybe just talk about your role for um, helping out with the Canada Games uh, this year and uh, Prince Edward Island specifically. Yeah, so that's, it's very exciting. We've been kind of working on this for about a year and a half. I was selected as a head coach for Team PEI. Um, it, it got a little confusing with COVID as, as most things do. Uh, so we missed some training time. Uh, there, but we were able to, you know, get in as much training as as we were able to, um, a spring camp, a summer camp, another spring camp, uh, and we just finished off some some Christmas camps here, um, and finally selected uh, our 20-person roster. Uh, we initially started with a group of 40 um, as our training team to take them through the summer, tons of activities, ice times, things like that, and then eventually selected our Group of 20, uh, we're just waiting for the release, but the players are all aware of, you know, who's been selected. Uh, yeah, so that's been that's been a really rewarding and, and amazing experience. I, I love coaching. It, uh, you know, what I do with scouting is a bit removed from the players. Uh, that's to make it unbiased. You know, we don't talk to the players a ton. We don't know, you know, are they a great student? Are they looking for great schools? Are they also a lacrosse player? Did they just start? hockey a little later you know there's all sorts of things that you know we miss out on as scouts staying so removed that when I'm coaching I get to have that you know one-on-one -on -one connection with the players that I really appreciate um, and value a ton so it's a nice little balance for me of course it gets very busy um, but it's a nice little balance to be able to have that you know close connection with players. And real quick where are the Canada games and when are they taking place this summer? Yeah, so they're actually um, coming up at the end of February and they're on Prince Edward Island. So we are hosting, uh, oh, wow. which is is a really cool experience. Uh, and I think the girls are going to uh, be really ready to go in front of their home crowd. Uh, so that's going to start um, at the end of February through March 6th. So it's a two-week event. Uh, we are the second week women's hockey. Um, so we come in uh, February 26th on the Sunday, and we go until March 6th. So, nice. yeah. Very exciting. Well, good luck to you and the team. Thank so. you. Thank you. Um, all right. So as I understand it, you started working at Neutral Zone right out of college, um, and you basically started the whole women's program. So um, before we get into, you know, the services that you provide, maybe um, I know you, you weren't the original founder of uh, Neutral Zone, but maybe you can just explain if you know the answer as to why it's called Neutral Zone. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's, uh, yeah, I, I was actually interning on the men's side in my senior year, so I did um, have a little bit of insight going uh, going forward into the women's side, and that's sort of why I got hired on. Uh, but yeah, the uh, two owners, uh, Brennan Collins and Steve Wilk, um, kind of started it because Steve's son uh, was um, involved in that uh, men's hockey 21-year-old freshman situation where sometimes you're promised a little bit more, you know, play another year of junior, and then you end up at college, you didn't know you were trying out, and you get cut. So there was a lot of, um, Steve was really passionate or really driven by the fact that we could help players understand where they fit a little bit better 
and whether you know it's it's never been intended to um you know crush anyone's dreams or or anything like that it's just more more or less hey if i'm a you know a three star or whatever maybe i'll take that d3 email a little bit more seriously i can open up some options right and um, <clears throat> things like that and uh brendan has always been uh, an incredible hockey scout. Uh, he worked for USHR, I believe, for a little while and actually coached me at Castleton as an assistant coach for a little bit. Um, and the name Neutral Zone kind of comes from uh, the unbiased and neutral scouting service that we're looking to provide. Gotcha. And so please explain exactly what is the services that you provide. Um, like I, I've, I've never logged into the, to your actual system, um, but like I said, I've seen different posts and stuff like that. So, so explain to parents and players, and, and believe it or not, we actually do have a lot of coaches who listen to this too. So maybe for folks who, who aren't uh, you know, registered with your service to, to know, explain exactly what it is that you, you folks do. Yeah, for sure. So I see us, um, there's a few different ways, you know, when you're talking about how parents and players can use us versus college coaches um, or prep coaches or any recruiting um, needs. Uh, for those college coaches and things like that, I, I see us as, as a bit of a recruiting tool. Uh, so we post uh, reports, ratings, and rankings on players. Uh, ideally, um, every female player, amateur player in Canada and the U.S., but obviously that's a building up process. Um, we have to, you know, keep working to get to every player, but that's the ultimate goal. Um, and uh, yeah, so we go to major events all across Canada and the U.S., as well as in-season scouting. Uh, and the reason we do this is because, you know, with college coaches, you have a limited staff and a budget. Um, what we do is we watch all the time. We're not worried about coaching our team, right? We're not worried about financial help or getting kids into school, admissions, things like that, right? All we do is we scout, we watch their performance, and we put it up, right? So coaches can come and they can read and they can search through players and sort and filter uh, to try to find players that may uh, meet their needs. Um, I like to think of it as, you know, like even those top schools that have you know, tons of uh, resources and staff and things like that, um, you know, you can't get everywhere. You can't get to every single um, league game in New England prep. Sometimes it's really difficult to get to Western Canada with the weather and whatnot. So, you know, maybe you see a kid that we wrote up as an A-plus that you hadn't heard about. Maybe that gives you the push to kind of go out and see them. Hey, like, I haven't heard of this kid. Maybe I'll go check that kid out. And then all the way down through you know, D3 schools that have a very limited budget in a lot of cases and a very limited staff. Oftentimes it's a head coach and an assistant um, and you really need at least two on the bench. Um, so in-season recruiting and scouting is, is very difficult for a D3 school, especially for regions that aren't local to them. Um, so we, you know, we're able to extend our reach a lot further um, and a lot more consistently throughout the season to help uh, cover these girls and, you know, highlight their performance in, in these events uh, throughout the season. Gotcha. And, and do you feel that, um, you know, you mentioned the, the origination of neutral zone around like getting a realistic assessment of where you really fit. Do you find that on, on the, the girls slash women's side that that's all still uh, kind of fits as if you're a player or a parent of like, here, here's a realistic assessment of, of my abilities? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, like we do a bit of analytics every year of where our star rated players go. And uh, so, you know, it's constantly assessing, you know, what our star rating system is and, you know, oh, are we a little off where there are more three stars going D1 than we had planned, you know, or things like that. And so we're always taking a look and always getting better that way. But uh, yeah, I, I would say so, especially from the reports, because the reports are more wordy so we'll we'll write up the player um as they are in a way that you can understand so that kind of supplements those um star ratings because of course there's going to be a ton of four star d that are excellent d1 talent but what does the coach need do they need a tall d with a heavy point shot do they need a small little nimble D who's very agile at the point. Um, that's where you kind of get into more of those details in those reports. You can read about how the player plays, what they do well, um, and what areas may need a little improvement uh, to get to the next level. Gotcha. And um, like I said, I still got so many questions to ask you. So uh, how, how do you get all the coverage across all the different regions? Um, you know, I, I, as of right now, I only know two of your scouts, but obviously you've got more because, uh, you know, I doubt you're in Western Canada or, uh, or, or some other areas like Minnesota. So maybe, maybe share some, some of those, yeah. uh, you know, background information. For sure. So on the women's side, we usually keep uh, staff of around 15 to 20. Um, so we kind of, that was initially what I did when I first started was we evaluated um, all of the division one and division three rosters. Where are the players coming from? Where are most of the D1 players coming from uh, to kind of help us identify the major markets, right? So that was Ontario, Minnesota, and New England. So we knew we needed to cover those really well. Um, particularly Ontario, where there's tons of teams, same with Minnesota. Um, you're playing in-season games all the time, and that kind of goes back to college's ability to scout. We usually keep a staff of around 15 to 20. On the women's side, um, we have, you know, the major markets covered really well in Ontario, Minnesota, and New England. Um, we do have scouts in Western Canada, Michigan, um, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Canada, and a little bit in Ottawa, Quebec area. Uh, though we need to kind of integrate a little bit more into Quebec. We don't have any French speakers on staff at this point, uh, which has been a bit of a hurdle. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, that's where we started. We started in those major markets and kind of branched out from there. And, and now it's, you know, if there's something starting up somewhere and they're having a bunch of tournaments, okay, we got to hire someone there. So we have our regional staffs, uh, which all have, you know, in those major markets, Minnesota, New England, and Ontario, they have a head scout. So the head scout controls and schedules all of the regional scouts, and they will all report to that head scout. So the idea behind that is that there's a check with what the regional scouts are doing by the head scout, and then nothing gets updated on the site except for when I update it. So I have the final check. So we always have those few layers of, you know, people have seen this kid at the regional level, the head scout level, and then the director level uh, to ensure that we're being as accurate as possible. Um, and that also helps us, you know, be able to schedule and make sure that we're getting to the maximum amount of games possible. But then how, how do you sync up um, the different reports from different scouts? Because um, I'm, I'm assuming some players you only see a couple of times, other players on popular teams, you know, you might see a dozen times. So how, how, do, you, how do you work out, you know, 
that kind of uh, amalgamation and then, you know, um, averaging out all the, the ratings and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. Well, we don't rate anyone we haven't seen at least twice at at least two different events. Uh, so, you know, that gives people the opportunity to really, you know, show what they have. And that's kind of, you know, why we rate, uh, give letter grades on, on, um, tournaments, right? Because people have good and bad tournaments. It's, it's very different. Um, so we try to make sure that we see everyone, you know, twice at two different events. Um, and then there's, you know, like, as I said, the head scout and myself, uh, we have taken on Clint now as our director of U.S. scouting. So uh, he's going to be a little more involved with that as well as just uh, making sure that we have seen all these players at least um, a little bit, you know, at least their team, at least their league. And we can know for sure if that's making sense, right? Like, are we getting 105 stars from Minnesota? Well, that's not right, you know? Um, let's see what's going on here. So basically it's just those like levels of checks and just, you know, staying on top of, of everything. We've been really fortunate to retain a lot of our core staff in those uh, major regions, uh, which helps a lot from year to year. You're not training someone to kind of get up to date. Uh, but when anyone does start as a scout, we typically, you know, have them watch those division one committed players first. Um, so they can see, here's the top. Um, now let's work our way down, right? We got to see who the absolute best is. This is where we're trying to get to. Let's go down. So those commitments have helped us a ton. And, and even from the start, that's where I started as well, is watching those D1 committed players to get an idea of what that top level was. And, and roughly speaking, what's the difference between like a five-star recruit and a three-star recruit? Yeah, for sure. So we, uh, we say like a, a five-star is very rare. We'll usually have a couple in each grad year, uh, if that, and that would be a kid that is a for sure um, immediate impact division one player, likely Olympian upside, just the top of the top. This kid's going to be great. She's going to impact the game for a long time. Uh, so that would be like someone like Abby Murphy, um, from the United States was a five-star um, for a long time. <laughs> and uh, when you get down to a three-star, um, you know, as you go down, three-star is about, um, you know, D D3 talent, uh, you know, a, a good immediate impact D3 player. Um, and as you go up at three, seven, five, three, fives, you're kind of getting to, uh, you know, D1 or U sport uh, fit. We're getting a lot more U sports pushing that four star and maybe even a little above. Uh, when we initially started, um, I would say U sport was a little heavier on their commits towards the D3 level of star ratings. Um, and it's quickly taken off to being much more comparable with the D1 game, uh, which is, is an exciting thing to have two very uh, competitive leagues for girls to play in and as well as D3, because we all know that D3 is a very competitive place to play as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so um, uh, I'd kind of like to actually transition into actual player evaluation. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I've gone through several tryout situations uh, across the United States. I've also um, been involved with seeing uh, both USA Hockey and a little bit of Hockey Canada going through their selection process. And kind of what I've kind of seen from most folks is there are really no clear guidelines uh, for exactly what they're looking for. It's very dependent on what either the coach is looking for or their 
personal preferences can be subjective, can be political at, point, at some points and things like that. So I'm, I'm curious how you rate players by position. And let's start with the one that you're most familiar with, uh, the goaltending position. Like, how, how, how do you evaluate a goalie, especially if you're only seeing them maybe twice in a weekend uh, at an event? Yeah, goaltending is tough like that. Um, you know, it's, it's possible that our scheduling for a tournament, right, we don't know who's in uh, for that game, right? So it's possible that we have scheduled to see the Philly Flyers at 8 a.m. on Friday and then 7 p.m. on Saturday, and that goalie played the morning on Saturday. So we didn't see her. So that's tough, and we definitely try to keep track of that and try to do our best to see, um, you know, every goalie. Uh, we all know that goaltending is, is a tough position in a lot of ways. Recruiting, getting seen, just mental aspects and your role on a team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I look for their technical skills, um, but lately it's, it's been a lot of just, you know, the opportunity to win a game. If a goalie has given their team the opportunity to win, they've done their job. Um, and that can be just the opportunity to win. And then like absolutely saved the team team shouldn't win, but they won because of the goalie. Right. Um, you know, seeing a couple games from a kid like that shows shows something special. So that's been something I've been looking for a lot lately is just the ability to turn it up in those high pressure situations and shut the door. Gotcha. And, and are there specific attributes that you track or measure like rebound control or lateral movement or glove hand, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what we put on neutral zone is not uh, we. We started like that, where we were giving like ratings in each, you know, puck skill, skating, things like that. Um, but it wasn't as useful to our users. So we did transition into those uh, wordy reports, right? So that people can read, oh, here is what this player is, right? This is what this goalie is like. Um, and, you know, people are looking for different goalies. Smaller, taller, fast, you know, fills the net, loves to play the puck, all sorts of things, right? So we're not necessarily, we're obviously um, rating their impact um, and their ability to, to, to find a spot moving forward. Um, but yeah, we write about who they are and how they play. So then coaches and anyone can come on and see, okay, this is what this goalie really is. Gotcha. And so let's move over into the forwards where there's just a huge variety in the different segments of types of forwards. So how do you yeah. handle that? Yeah, well, a, a similar way, right? Like is... It is, it's a bit of a balancing act, right, of like, of thinking, you know, we, we got our, our, our hockey sense is a big one because it's typically uh, by the, by the time we're seeing them, uh, hockey sense is unlikely to be taught further uh, when you get to the U19 level. Uh, in a lot of ways, you can, you know, learn systems and you can learn positional play really well, but just that instinct and that anticipation um, is usually uh, a bit of a natural skill um so looking for those things you know how they skate how they handle the puck uh but yeah like you said there's power forwards there's goal scorers there's people that don't go into the corners but they're super fast um so just having that ability to understand you know are their skills their accumulation of what they have is that um enough to play at the d1 level where does that put you and then allowing the report to kind of speak for itself on who that player is. So this is a four-star power forward, power forward, and this is a four-star goal scorer. 
what do you want? Um, because we're not going to tell them what they want, right? Every team is going to be different. Um, and a lot of times it's not, it's not just the goal scorer. You know, you need every role filled in a team. And so it's so important. You know, a lot of girls think that they got to go out there and they got to be the one to score all the goals. And, you know, D got to skate the puck all the time. It's like, no, not everyone wants a risky defenseman, right? Some people, you need a stay-at-home defenseman. You need a power forward. You need someone that's going to go end-to-end, work two ways, make good changes, and, uh, yeah, get pucks on, on our sticks. Yeah, and, and you're talking about the D. I, I've definitely seen a bias in uh, at the kind of district and national level towards, you know, puck-moving defensemen. Uh, in fact, I, I asked one evaluator of, like, how they evaluated, you know, actually playing defense. And they said, well, our team was so good, I didn't even bother evaluating the D. I just wanted to see how they did with the puck on their stick. Um, and so, uh, you know, like, are, are you seeing those biases from certain coaches with, with what it is that they prefer? And, and which attributes do you find that, in general, coaches really value? Yeah, I mean, skating and, and puck control and, and movement would be huge for D. You know, that's going to be a base. You're going to need it. Um, and you're going to need to have enough pace to be able to play, to, to push the play up and to be able to handle the fast forwards that are coming back. Um, but yeah, coaches are, are very different. There's, there's a lot of um, themes on rosters. You know, some people prefer small and speedy players and some people fill their rosters with almost six foot players um it, it really is is preference i think people are going to be attracted to the offensive defenseman that you know skates it up every time uh because you know that might lead to more offense but uh there's really only room for a couple of those on a roster because you re- you can't pair two really offensive defensemen together in my in my opinion um because it's going to be too risky, right? Yeah, you, you have to be able to take care of your house and, and the defensive zone. So nothing against offensive defensemen. Um, your risk assessment is going to be huge there. Uh, you know, is this a good time to skate it? And then uh, additionally, what do I do when I get into the zone? Because a lot of girls, you know, they have that that risk assessment and then they get in the zone and and what then, you know, uh, sometimes it's turnovers back the other way. And it's like, well, you just sacrifice your whole positioning uh, you know, now forwards taking your spot. So, you know, getting into that zone is, is important. And then the what's next factor is, is huge. You know, how do we set it up? Uh, can we find a stick or can we at least keep possession until our forwards come and help us out? Gotcha. So related to this is, um, you know, in, in the few excerpts that I've seen, um, a lot of your comments are extremely positive and focus on here's what the positive attributes are of a player. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering how you like measure their development areas and how you express that in your evaluations. Um, yeah, so we do, we, we obviously trend to the positive just because, I mean, at the end of the day, these players are, are children, right? They're kids, they're girls. Um, and in no way in what we're doing are we trying to, you know, um, harp on kids' negatives or display negatives to the public that may not be fair or accurate. You know, everything we put, we want it to be useful to the player and uh, anyone who may be recruiting off that. So um, I've never seen the need for incredibly negative and harsh um, reports, but we are working to get a little bit more constructive criticism in there um, just by saying things like, 
you know, this may need to be developed to get to that next level, or this should be a focus moving forward. Um, just, you know, as, as helpful tips. Uh, but another way to look at it too is if there's things not mentioned, uh, sometimes those are the areas that may need a little bit more development. Uh, you know, if you get that a tall, um, strong defender with that heavy shot, like I mentioned, and we don't mention anything about skating, uh, that could be an area that they may need to uh, work on. Gotcha, gotcha. And so do you ever actually have players or parents reach out to you saying, like, can you give me the full report on, like, really everything you saw so that we can learn from it? Um, no, uh, not a ton. I, I do get some parents and players. There, there are typically very, very positive uh, feedback. You know, they're just excited to see something. And I think as we move forward, uh, we've we've done a good job and, and I'm happy to be, you know, more critical and, and constructive moving forward. But yeah, I don't think that was the need when we started. Um, and yeah, as we grow and more people use us, of course, that pressure is going to be there to, to provide more things like that. And, and we're just trying to, you know, find the best way to display that uh, in a way that's, you know, not harmful. Uh, safe sport is, is super important to me and, you know, just making sure uh, everyone's, you know, mental health is taken care of and, and, and not impacted negatively uh, by kind of what we're writing, but still being unbiased and, and fair and accurate in, in what we present. I'm just curious, have you ever had an angry parent or player kind of uh, reach out to you? Yeah, yeah, we've had, we've had a couple, but it's, uh, you know, what we do is we're very honest, right? Like, this is what we have. This is what we post. Um, you know, it's not anyone's, you know, end fate, right? The coaches are still going to see them. They're going to read the reports. They're going to do their own research. Um, and, you know, we, we work and strive to be very accurate and we have the largest women's hockey scouting staff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's what we've seen. It's what we've evaluated, what we appreciate, um, from, you know, several levels of checks. So we do the best we can and, you know, we have very experienced scouts. So I think what we put out is, is very accurate and, and it's, it's difficult to argue with, um, the way we've set things up to be, you know, as accurate as possible and have those checks and, and be able to put out the best product. So. Excellent. So I got two last questions for you. What right. does PLPG stand for? And, and explain <laughs> what it is that you guys do with that. That is the parking lot post game. So it is a quick video after a game or a tournament day where we just like to, you know, uh, shout out a couple players that have really impressed us that day or that game. And, you know, give a little chat about their attributes as a player. Um, we do it on the men's side too, but it's, you know, it's not really done in the women's side. There's not a lot of people talking critically uh, about, you know, a player's performance or things like that. So I think the kids really, really get excited about it. I'm not incredibly thrilled with videoing myself in the car after games, uh, but the public has loved it. Uh, parents and players love um you know, the, the little shout out, the little recognition, um, there. So yeah, it's, it's good. And it's, it's nice to cap off the day too, because you kind of get a little bit of info. It does take a little bit of time for us to create these reports. Um, so you do kind of see, oh, here's a couple kids, uh, from today, uh, like the New England prep tournaments, right? There's a bunch going on. So, you know, maybe a coach hears, wow, this goalie was really good on this team. Let me pop over to that tournament tomorrow. You know, just little ways that we can, you know, promote players that, you know, have really impressed us because that's that's what it's all about, right? Seeing the talent and, and getting it out there to the world. 
Perfect. And then last question. Um, how, how do you think, what advice would you have for players and parents on how they think about scouting reports and incorporating it into their recruiting process? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of players, um, you know, attach their report or their wording or little blurb uh, to coaches' emails, which I think is awesome. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And just, you know, taking a read and anything you hear, right? Like you want to take it in as an athlete, you want to use it to make you better, but you can never use it to bring you down, right? Like, you know you the best, right? So if you ever get, you know, feedback or whatever from a coach or, um, you know, one of our reports that doesn't feel right, of course, like you're in a position where you respect that coach and it's not to go back and say, hey, that's not right. But you take that in yourself and you can analyze um, yourself as a player and, you know, try to keep an eye out for some of those things that someone has mentioned to you and, uh, yeah, try to try to improve or, uh, like I said before, use it as, uh, you know, another check on kind of how you're performing and, and where you stack up. Awesome. Excellent. So, Jess, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Chance App Podcast. It was great learning about your hockey history, uh, especially how Neutral Zone works and, and the different uh, services you provide. And then, obviously, going into detail about how the scouting process works and, uh, and how you evaluate players. So, um, I'll include links in the uh, show notes for how folks can, uh, can learn more about your services. So, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I just wanted to mention one more thing, if you don't mind, Ray. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, something I didn't mention was uh, when we started it, too, is... Uh, similar to, you know, what you're doing is the lack of women's hockey information online. Um, finding rosters and player info was not available when we started this. So uh, just the thought of, you know, creating those profiles and having a place where if someone Googles a kid with hockey after it, that they get a profile that at least says what team they're on, their height, weight, their grad year. Um, and that's all free. So anyone can see those profiles for free. You can update those for free. You do not have to be a subscriber to have a profile or update it or be scouted. Uh, we scout unbiasedly. It uh, does not matter if you're a subscriber or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I would also encourage parents and players, if there's anything not up to date or you don't see your profile, there's a fill out the form on the bottom right of um, any page on Neutral Zone, and that'll get sent right to me, and we'll get that info updated as soon as possible. I want to thank Jess for coming on the podcast. It was great to learn about her recruiting journey, how she started the women's hockey platform at Neutral Zone, and all the details about how Neutral Zone works. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to share more about the app in Chance app. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know I spend a lot of time talking with coaches, parents, and players about the hockey recruiting process. One of the key questions that people want to know is, how does a player get noticed by college coaches? While there are many ways to be discovered, the easiest way to get on a college's radar is to send a coach an email and provide them all the information they need to assess if you are a player worth keeping their eyes on. That's where the app part of Champs app comes in. Champs app was designed based on all the conversations and feedback we received about the recruiting process. And we built a tool to help players and coaches connect with a ton of the information they wanna know. It all starts with creating a free, beautiful Champs app profile. After that, there's some pretty magical things that can happen to help make the recruiting process a little less overwhelming. Your Champs app profile includes all the basic academic, personal, and athletic information coaches wanna know. Then, by including video, schedule information, and your coach's contact details, 
colleges can easily start their evaluation process. You just copy and paste your personalized link and send it to coaches so they can see your public player profile without even having to log in or create a Champs app account. Or you can connect directly with coaches on Champs app. More and more coaches are creating their own Champs app profiles and connecting with players themselves every day. Now coaches can have all the information they need to assess where you might fit in their recruiting plans. Even better, college coaches can track your progress throughout the winter and showcase seasons. Because as you make changes to your profile, coaches will get notified to your updates. And in the future, we will be adding even more amazing features to improve your visibility to the recruiting process and hopefully increase your odds of success. If you want to see what a player or coach profile looks like before you start your own, look in the show notes to see some examples. My kids and I have used Champs app for their recruiting process. In fact, my son was invited to a AAA tryout thanks to his Champs app profile. So go to www.champs.app and start your player or coach profile. It only takes about 15 to 20 minutes to complete most of your key information. Good luck, and please let us know how it helped with your recruiting journey.